I am not too happy with your performance out there. Actually, as well, you're from Mississauga. If you see me out here in Toronto, don't beat me up because you're bigger than me. Welcome to The Waggle alongside Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski, and we are ready to roll for another drama-filled week in the Canadian Football League. I don't know if we can beat what we just saw this past week and lots of eyebrow raising and lots of head scratching and lots of downright WTF moments for a lot of teams across the uh, the landscape there, Chezzy. Sabalski, you're still my favorite co-host. Get it? <laughs> Get it? That you're so that nice. would be whole Duran, the whole Duran and Bo drama that played out on the weekend. That was the the most excited I've been for a game all season long to watch. I know I think it was a nine o'clock kickoff out here in the East, and I think I was in front of my TV uh, ready to watch it at seven. I listened to the Riders pregame show for I think for. Almost two hours. I listened to Paul Waldo and uh, Michael Ball there early on, and then I went to uh, Mullinder and uh, Rod. I just listened to the whole stuff because I was. It was uh, like I say, much see. You can say what you want about DC and his antics, but uh, he's uh, the kind of guy you pay to watch, and he he produced uh, not only on the field but with his with his uh, entertainment value um, uh, during the games. That, that was that was fun to see. Uh, so much to jump into. Uh, thank you very much for everybody listening each and every week. Uh, if you're not subscribing just yet, you can find us in iTunes. It's free. You click subscribe and a fresh new episode goes right to your device, your tablet, smartphone each and every week. Uh, lots I want to get to before we dive into anything first, Chez, I, I want to give a, a best wishes and uh, a, a dedicate this episode here this week to a guy who's been a big part of the CFL for a long time, and that's Craig Smith, who's a national scout with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, here's a guy who's spent years as director of player personnel with the Riders. I uh, spent years in player personnel for the Lions as well. Uh, going through a, a battle with, uh, with cancer right now, Craig, and I just want to say we're thinking of you, we're rooting for you, and uh, Smitty Strong from everybody across the Canadian Football League. We're thinking of you and all the best. You're not alone in this fight against this crappy, crappy disease. We got your back, buddy. We got your back, and we are with you on this fight. Well said. Well said, James. Well said. Okay. Uh, here we go. And listen, I want to let's let's dive right into this uh, right on the on the get go. I want to talk about the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, they are the uh, the best team with the best record of the Canadian Football League, far and away. But something isn't right here, Davis. And I want to go all the way back to week number twelve. Now I'm talking the early in September, back to September 9th, where yeah, look at some of these results for the Stamps here down the stretch. Uh, they barely get past Edmonton. Nevertheless, it's a win over Edmonton. But the following week, it's a win over BC that really wasn't decided until the last few minutes of the game. Uh, the week after that, they they pull out the win against the Riders. Again, tight one. Uh, the Riders starting to come on strong. They have the blowout victory over Montreal, which everybody seems to be doing these days. So you throw that one out the window. Uh, then you got Hamilton who gives the Stamps everything they've got. And then finally it catches up to them last week 
where the Stamps at home, at home, got absolutely owned by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders by a score of 30-7. to It feels like teams have been ready to pounce or catch the Stamps, and it looked like it finally got them. And I wonder now, is this the blueprint for every other team now going forward to look at what you can do against the Stamps? Because not only did they shut them down offensively, but they also scored on them defensively, which to me this season, the strength of the Calgary Stampeders in 2017 hasn't been the offense, Chez. It's been their defense. It's de- it's definitely been their defense, and their uh, their defense is actually uh, that's been what's been keeping them alive. I've seen so many two and outs. I see a, a major disconnect between Bo and his and his receivers, and a lot of that has to do with the continuity. We've we've said over the last several years, it's you know guys go away, guys come in. It's plug and play with Dave Dickinson and and Bo and that whole o- offensive. A deal they have a, a pretty solid offensive line and they've just kind of plug and play with their receivers but that's that's no longer the case and when I look at you know I look at Devaris Daniels he's been back for a few weeks Kamar Jordan he's been back uh, for a few weeks now and they just don't look they don't look the same and I don't know what it is uh, but I look at that offense and I don't see a whole lot of compete I don't see uh, that defense flies around. That defense uh, competes. That defense is is. Uh, I have trust in them. That's, that's a championship defense. But offensively, I now look at what I thought was a juggernaut of an offense with with mess and that offensive line and you know uh, MOP a caliber quarterback. And I, I think of them as a championship offense. Well, I, I don't right now. That's not to say they can't uh, fix it in the next few weeks, but I don't see them right now. Uh, I don't see a number one receiver. Uh, on that team, I thought Kamar Jordan was a number one. I thought DeVaris Daniels was a number one. I know what Marquay McDaniel can do uh, in his role. He's very good at what he does, but I just don't see uh, their top receivers being top guys right now. And I I don't know if they're still banged up uh, or what it is, but uh, you know, like short-arming balls, um, the, the compete level is not there. And uh, dropping balls, uh, they're they're in for a battle. Uh, now in, in this playoff run, they're no longer uh, a team that's going to waltz through the West, and uh, they're they're in for a serious battle. And and we say this, we say this about a team that is thirteen two and one. <laughs> so, I mean, the good still outweighs the bad with this team, but. There's at some there's something that just seems amiss. You know, Bo Levi got knocked down. Uh, he, he had to leave the game with a with a shoulder injury, and this has been something that I think's been bothering him for a while now. And I don't know, does this play you know a part into into why this Calgary offense hasn't seemed as dynamic or as explosive uh, over the last little while here in 2017? But whatever the case. Um, it, it, I would think that the rest of the league is on notice that the Stamps aren't necessarily who we all thought they were. And maybe they're just playing possum, and maybe we're all eating crow in about a month from now if they hoist the Grey Cup in Ottawa. But right now, I think every there's a lot of teams right now in the CFL that might very well feel like they've got a shot. How about Saskatchewan? I mean, Saskatchewan, think of the confidence for them right now. And I would say, you know, they just went into McMahon and beat the Stamps and not just beat them, like humbled them, humbled them. So they can go back in and probably feel like they can do it again. 
I'm not eating crow if the if the stamps hoist the Grey Cup in a month from now. I'm not eating crow because if I have to pick a team to win the Grey Cup as of today, I can only pick one team. I picked the Calgary Stampeders. They're still the favorite to win the Grey Cup. I'm just saying that they were head and shoulders above the rest uh, a month ago. I felt like because I think they had uh, you know arguably the best offense in in regards to um, they can do it. They could beat you in so many different ways. They have Bo. Uh, they had a plethora of receivers. Uh, and they had the best defense by far, and and just now they've they've taken a step back, but they're still they're still the favorite. When we look at Saskatchewan and Edmonton, let's take a look at this this matchup uh, in regards to that third that third spot. It still looks like Winnipeg's uh, fairly fairly set. They can still catch Calgary, but they're fairly set. A lot of uh, it's a lot of strange things will have to happen over the next two weeks, uh, like Calgary losing twice uh, in order for in order for Winnipeg to take over uh, that number one spot, which I, I don't think is going to happen. But uh, the one thing, because at the end, in week 20, um, the Calgary, the Calgary Stampeders have Winnipeg at home as well. So I, I, it's a possibility they play a heads-up game for, for that number, number one overall spot in the West. But I, I'm pretty sure uh, they're locked in. Winnipeg is locked into that. But that number three spot, let's look at that for a minute. And Edmonton and Saskatchewan – Basically, if Edmonton, uh, if, if Saskatchewan loses and Edmonton wins, Edmonton now uh, has that number three, and they stay out west, and Sask will go east. Now, that scenario, I don't think Sask is going to lose to Montreal. Like you just said, everybody's been putting a beat down on Montreal. I don't see anything changing this week going into Sask. So I don't think that uh, I don't think that Sask is going to lose this week. So it looks like week twenty, James, we're going to have. Saskatchewan and Edmonton playing one game uh, to see who gets third place and stays west versus who goes east. Now, that's the question I ask you. Where would you rather go, that's, though? Where that's, that's would you the, rather go? That's the question I ask you now. A month ago. I'd I, take my chances with the east, I think. You take your chance with the east? I, th- I think it's funny to say this based on the way that Toronto and Ottawa are starting to play now and the teams in the west are starting to limp. And that's what I, I said. Look, yeah. Yeah. I, I still think, I still think based on here's the old Sabalskiism, the devil, you know, uh, what devil do you know? Like what devil avoid, do you know? <laughs> well, that's, a, I don't that, think you complicated do now Davis, but I think I would, I would still want to avoid going to McMahon in November. You, did, you just said, you just said all going, that yeah. about Calgary, all yeah. that about Calgary. Yeah. And now all of a sudden yep. you don't want to go there. Nope. I'm with you. I'm with you. Nope. So, so here's, here's, here's the conversation, <laughs> but here, here's a scenario. And here's where things have changed. Yeah. And not, it's not just Calgary. So here, yeah. here's where, here's where the whole dynamic and the landscape of, of the playoffs here has changed. And as if you would ask us five or six weeks ago, you would not want Winnipeg blue bombers were knocking on the door uh, at being the best team in this league. That's how good they were playing. And, their their defense was great. They they were healthy. Um, their defense was playing well. Darvin Adams was was uh, you know emerging as a number a true elite number one receiver. And they have the best kicker in, in the CFL. Now all of a sudden you lose Westerman, arguably your best pass rusher, and a, a ratio changer. You lose you lose you lose uh, Adams. Uh, looks like he's out for the season. Who is becoming a number one receiver. A guy, a guy like we said, who who teams now had a game plan for, and Justin Medlock. I don't know what in the world is going on with Justin Medlock, uh, but a guy who uh, was automatic 
and a kicker who a lot of kickers have that um, relaxed attitude, like nothing seems to phase him. Well, that and I thought Medlock had that. That's one of the reasons he's so good. He's talented, but nothing seems to bother him. Now it looks like everything's bothering him, and you can see it in his eyes that he looks shook. So now that's a question too. So not only are the stamps have the stamps taken a step back. But now the Bombers, all the things that were allowing them to be so darn good over the last couple of years, which was having great special teams with Mike O'Shea, a great special teams coach, and, and ha- being healthy, now they're injury riddled and there's questions with their special teams. So now the, the West all of a sudden is, uh, you know, up, up for grabs a little bit. Oh, very much so. I mean, Ad, you know, Darvin Adams, Westerman out for the Flander, year. Flanders um, too. Leg, Mo Leggett's Mo, out. Mo Leggett's out for the how year. How did I forget about Mo Leggett? Exactly, Jay. Mo Leggett, yeah, who is just as big of a piece as any of those, maybe bigger because of mm-hmm. the position he plays. Yes. You know, the, the health issues with with Adams uh, as well as I mentioned, but it's you know, there's the the Bombers suddenly seem they seem vulnerable. I mean, the team the team right now that I probably would least want to face would be Saskatchewan. How about Edmonton? I think How based on Edmonton? what I, they, you know, the last few weeks they've looked better, but you know, I'll say this, they had to come from behind to beat a BC lions team that has absolutely fallen off um, over the last, over the last two months. You know, the, the lions have lost what eight of their last nine games and, and Hey, Edmonton's gone through their issues as well. You raised something. You raised a great point, I thought, a few weeks ago, questioning the receivers of whether or not those guys want to suck it up in cold weather outside of Brandon Zilstra. And to see where uh, Darius Bowman had a monster game against the Lions and kind of a, hey, Darius Bowman's back. But to look at Darrell Walker and Adarius Bowman, I mean, can you really judge them at this point playing in a, con- a climate-controlled stadium like BC Place? I mean, th- are you going to get that sort of output when it's 15 below in three weeks from now somewhere? Because that's the more likely scenario as opposed to playing in a nice cozy confine because the Lions aren't going to the playoffs. Going to BC Play Stadium is not an option this year for anybody, <laughs> not even the Lions. So, so you got cold weather. So, I mean, do I trust? Do I trust Edmonton? I mean, I, I trust I trust Edmonton about as much as I tr- I trust most of the other teams in the CFL. I mean, you can find holes in everybody's game, but I I just I'm a fan of Mike Riley. I just I just don't see this Edmonton team. Uh, coming out I just don't see them coming out of the west or I don't see them pulling it off uh, if they have to go through the east whether they have to win in Ottawa and 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 Toronto for that matter so that's the, I I just don't see it happening from an Edmonton standpoint. you can raise the question you can raise that question about cold weather and and being able to play in in the cold weather and to step it up and fight through the elements to anybody who doesn't have a lot of experience in the playoffs, in the CFL. So any young players on any team, that question goes to them. Uh, Darrell Walker, he's a guy who's dis- displayed toughness. He's he's a gamer. So I don't know. I'm not going to – I wouldn't put that on him. I would I will just say it's going to be a factor. I don't think that it's the factor that he can't overcome because he's shown he's got dog in him. So I'm not afraid of him, but afraid of him not doing that. Uh, Darius Bowman has uh, – I didn't see it. I did, I did say that I didn't see it last – 
two weeks ago in, in Montreal, they looked like they shut it down. But it's also they're playing against a team. They probably weren't highly motivated, to be honest. And that's not an excuse, but it's reality. Uh, I don't. Darius Bowman's played in enough big games that I don't question um, his his compete level in the weather. But it is it's a factor for everybody. Um, Ottawa. Uh, word out of Ottawa right now. Tim Baines is reporting uh, post media. Tim Baines that uh, Jarrell Gavins was carted off the field at practice. Um, that is a huge blow. If you're carted off the field, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for the best for Jarrell Gavins. Um, but but when you're carted off the field. There's a probability um, that a high probability that you're done for the year. That means you're non you're non weight bearing, and you're probably not going to be back in the next four weeks. So that is we'll follow up on that. But that is bad bad news. Uh, a, a guy in Gavin's who plays that same position that Mo Leggett plays. He plays that Sam uh, covering the slot. Plays that Sam. A lot of adjust any halfback or any Sam. There's so many adjustments that need to be made. Uh, in a CFL game, you lose those guys. You lose a big part of your team. And Jarrell Gavins is as good as any. Uh, not many guys who are five foot eight, uh, a buck, a buck eighty-five, who have that much, uh, that much impact on a game in the box, uh, close to the football, like Jarrell Gavins does. Huge. And this, and this word, and this news comes on the heels of Brad Sinopoli, uh announcing that he'll be done for the year. Uh, he's going to need shoulder surgery. And, and so that's another crippling loss for losing a, a receiver who's gone over a thousand yards. There's a guy you could make a case for outstanding Canadian this season in the Canadian football league. Uh, two big, big blows for the red blacks in an attempt to defend the gray cup championship uh, on home field so, too. Uh, at that, if, if they can get, if they can get that far, James, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, go ahead, James. I just, just uh, I was gonna add add to add to that what we were saying with the Edmonton and Sask. Now uh, it looks. Let's just say that. Let's say that Saskatchewan's gonna go. That's Saskatchewan's gonna go out east. Now who's now who's your favorite to win the East? If it's if it's if it's Saskatchewan, Edmonton. It can't be both of them. But let's say Saskatchewan or Edmonton. Ottawa's banged up, and Toronto. Now now with that with that being said. Who comes out of the East? And now who's the favorite uh, with, you know, three weeks until the Eastern semifinal? Who's the favorite? Chez, based on what I've seen, I wouldn't even say this just for the East. I think I'm saying that Saskatchewan is my favorite coming out of the West and the East right now. Wow. And and this, uh, with with who at quarterback? With, with Flux at their quarterback. At, yeah, yeah, who at quarterback? Are, as they're who their quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, wow, I think that's it's, a bold statement. Uh, yeah, I, I think right now, I mean, the fact that they are able to go into Calgary and, and beat the snot out of the stamps with the Flux and the volatility. And you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, if the, if, if the riders want to go in to a scenario where you let KG try to see what he can do, and if it's not there, you want to give it to Brandon Bridge, um, Hey, listen, I mean, what a story that would be if you have the the first Canadian quarterback since Russ Jackson to win a Grey Cup. I mean, what a remarkable story that would be. And it's not like Bridge has been spectacular, but he's he's finding ways, he's making plays, and hey, I, and now what do you do? And beyond that in Saskatchewan, do you put do you keep Deron Carter as uh, in your secondary, or do you keep him at receiver after what you saw last week where he picked off the reigning MOP and took him for a pick six. Okay. Let me, let me, let me do this. 
I've broken down. <laughs> it's a lot of conversations about the pick six and Deron Carter. And yes. What he did, sure. what he did last week against Calgary was a testament to his athletic ability, a testament to Chris Jones's eye for talent and and saying that he, he hey he's our best guy. But I went back and I've I watched the game film of, of that game and I watched I've watched the game. He did not. Uh, Chris Jones did a good job of of covering Deron Carter, taking care of him. He was not left alone at all. He was Deron Carter played cover four. He played a lot of cut coverage where he was a low player, uh, a lot of a lot of a two man where he had a safety on top of him. Uh, he was he was out there, but he was out there as a guy who you're a target, Deron. And we're going to protect you. And it's not a bad thing. It's reality when you have a guy who's never played corner before, much less having a rookie out there. But having a guy who's never played corner out there, it's not about, you know, uh, st- pumping your chest out and, and proving people wrong and, uh, and, and leaving them out there, to hanging them out there to dry to prove a point. Uh, Chris Jones and that defense did a good job of calling the defenses around what they have. He's a long, a long guy who can cover a lot of ground. So they put him in some in cover two where he where he's got to carry he's got to carry the vertical routes uh, until somebody challenges him to the flats. But uh, he he did a good job of uh, they have a safety over top or cover four. He's got he's got immediate help a body inside the other the other quarter player right beside him. So if it's a vertical ball, um, he's got help there on any inside breaking routes. It, the bottom line is he was not uh, a corner that was they couldn't have exposed him. Calgary if they wanted to if Calgary and Bo so they say Bo Levi Mitchell uh, that he won that that Duran won that battle with Bo and he did because uh, Bo had a a horrible game and he didn't play well Uh, but uh, the reality is the game plan was what what beat Bo and his uh, not them not checking the ball down them not uh, being able to pick up short gains uh, to move the sticks the Calgary Stampeders that is that's really what what happened in that game the interception Duran had what was impressive about that was the return. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't even that wasn't Duran's man. The ball's being thrown to, by the way. It was he was looking. Bo was looking for the slot, the slot on an out route. Duran was covering the wide receiver and was behind it when the when 82 ran the out route. Bo threw it over his way over 82's head and it landed in Duran's chest. So he didn't jump around or pick off man coverage. He just got an overthrow. But what he did with it. That was uh, the, one of the best returns I've seen this year by far, and that's the kind of athlete you have. And it's impressive. It's still impressive because, you know, you need your ball in the hands to be able to do what he did. Not many guys can, can do that. So, um, you know, kudos to him for doing that. But let's, uh, let's, uh, let's be clear on one thing. Deron Carter is not an elite cover corner just yet. And can we also point out just how horrible those attempts to try to tackle Deron Carter were by the Calgary offense? 80, 82. 82. I think it's Breskison. Bres, I'm going to check 82. What's your name? What's your, what's your name? No, what's your name? Let me pull this up for Breskison. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, young brother, but you are terrible at tackling. That was that was horrible <laughs> effort by him. But not just the fact that... that uh, that he didn't make the tackle, but he almost like stuck a hand out like to to touch him, like he didn't want to dive and get his uniform dirty. That was em- embarrassing, uh, extremely. Yeah, J- Jawan Breskison. Bresca- yeah, yeah, Northern Illinois, and you're a Canadian, Jawan, and I am not too happy with your performance out there. Actually, <laughs> as well, you're from Mississauga. If you see me out here in Toronto, don't beat me up because you're bigger than me. Hope you get that uh, figured out. You're picked in the second round, so uh, you obviously have some talent, young brother. Your second year, but that was. 
That was uh, not impressive. And he's that, he, that's another guy. That's we talk about. That's a come on, that's a come on man. Yeah, you, you, that's Bresky a come said on, you man. get the Canadian version of "Come on, man." How, that was the Canadian talk. How you do? <laughs> come on, man, you hoser. Come on, man. Come on, hoser. Come on, man. Come on, man. How about how about we do come this? Yeah, nah, man. How about come on, hoser? <laughs> Take off, eh? Take <laughs> off, eh? So uh, Gerard there, there's, there's Gerard the new, there's the Canadian. The oh, you got it. You got it. Go ahead. Give it to me. <laughs> I got one next. Go yeah, ahead. So. So I was just going to say, so the Canadian version of Come On Man is Take Off, eh? Okay, here we go. And Bo Levi Mitchell, Josh back. He's looking for Breskison on the out route. Picked off by Deron Carter to the 40, to the 30. Deron Breskison looking to make the tackle. He, Come on, eh? No. Take off, eh? Take off, eh, you hoser? <laughs> make the tackle, you hoser. All right. Uh Hey, listen, on on, an, on another gear, we were touching on uh, on Edmonton Jawan uh, earlier. Jawan Breskison, you hoser. I I think if you were a C, if you're a CFL fan, it was hard not to it was hard to miss Jason Moss, speaking uh, given of, the speaking business of end hoser, of his speaking mouth. Of hosers. <laughs> yes, oh exactly. Goodness. Speaking of hosers, uh, how do you feel if you're Corey McDermott getting absolutely publicly chastised like that uh, on the sideline by? The cameras caught up on the broadcast with Jason Moss just absolutely livid over a decision, uh, you know, on a, on a play call. And Moss did not have any of it. Like, we've seen him. We laughed about this a few weeks ago, Davis. You had kind of raised the point where he was screaming in his headset at somebody. And you, you kind of made the joke. Who, 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 who is he doing this to? And, and it wasn't Corey Chamberlain because Corey Chamberlain on the sideline. So he's not just talked to... Or Corey McDermott. Pardon, yeah. pardon me, pardon me. He's that. Corey McDermott is on the sideline during the game. So that we were talking about from a month ago or three weeks ago that you're referring to, James, when we were saying that. Who in the world are you talking to like that? Because the way you were yelling, he was gri- gripping his he was gripping his headset and screaming into his headset to someone in the booth. And we said, just like you're saying, we said, who who could you possibly talk to like that? Who could you talk to like that? Because he's either your what I said, what I said, I've been in many, many a team or many a locker room. It's either your brother, who you're really, really tight with, because I could talk to my brother like that, or someone I have no respect for, or really don't like, or I don't. Sorry, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't like it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, showing a lack of respect for somebody. So it's either your brother, who you're real close with, or someone you're not respecting. Now, to to go forward with that, now we see this on the sideline. With Corey McDermott, who's I've I've played with I've been played under Corey. He's a special team coach in Calgary in 2003 when I was there. So he's I think Calgary 03 or maybe Montreal. Anyway, somewhere with me a long time ago. So Corey's been around a long time, a great Cup champion. He's he's been in over a decade in the in the CFL. And you're talking to him like that, and you're talking to someone else in the booth a few weeks ago who is not Corey like yeah. that. That to me, James, and I, I played with Jason Moss. He's a teammate of mine. I won a great cup with him. I played with him. Uh, yeah, we've talked about before at the University of Oregon. He was a, a college teammate of mine. I don't. I, I like Jason a lot. I don't know if, if, uh, and they won't say it publicly, but you lose a lot of, a lot of respect from guys um, on your staff in your locker room. When you talk to people like that and you and you show lack of respect to people like that, and that's not to say that Jason doesn't have respect, but in that situation, I don't think he showed it. And and we, we all get mad and show emotion, but that was just a real – that was just a beatdown of a man in public. And, and, you know, Corey McDermott's a grown man with a family and probably kids. Uh, no one wants to see their dad or their, 
son or their brother getting cussed out like that on on, on national television by another gr- another grown man. I, that's I don't look too uh, too highly upon that. And 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 when and when it happens more than once, I probably wouldn't have made too much about it if it if it was. Uh, if it would only happen once, but now we've seen it on multiple occasions, and and yeah. one of the great that's humiliating because it's it's humiliating because how do you answer back? How do you answer back to your boss in any sort of capacity at his level? Do you know what I mean? Well, he like and that he, feels and he so didn't. incredibly unfair. It, it, and he, he didn't. No, you're right. He he took it. He 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 totally ate it. But you're right. Like I think the point you make about family, friends, colleagues, like that that is humiliating the fact that it gets caught on camera too but it also shows is that not a sign of maybe seeing the true colors of what jason moss is all about and you know how long does that act go for when you're not winning and i'll say this jason moss could be in the on deck circle in terms of coaches in trouble if they don't have success this year based on the fact that and hey there's obviously history with brock sutherland and in in terms of his time in ottawa with jason moss but guess what Ed Hervey was the guy who brought Jason Moss in. And guess who's not there in Edmonton anymore? Ed Hervey. So Jason Moss, um, you know, it's great when you're winning. But if you're not, you might want to look around based on what we've been seeing. With the, and that's the way he's treating his coaching staff. Those are his guys. Like, who wants to hang around with people? Like, if that's one of your friends and that's one of your colleagues, do you want I – mean, I get it. It's pro sports. It gets emotional. And you nobody can speak to that better than you here in this conversation right now, Chez. But I would think that act, and I'm sure you've probably experienced coaches like that, and I'm sure they probably don't last very long. You say a lot of great things. This this is this, – this, when I saw that, uh, it, really, it really hit me. And I uh, – because I've been in lots of rooms with Jay Moss, and I'm not going to – um, uh, condemn Jason as a, as as a man or as a leader because he's always been a guy who um, he's a fiery competitor. That's kind of what um, made him great. Uh, and so this might just be a one-off, or maybe it's not a one-off because it's happened twice. Maybe it's a two-off uh, for Jason. And maybe I what I would like to see, uh, not for me personally, but just um, uh, it would be nice to see him come out publicly and say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I I disrespected that man." Uh, I have respect for Corey. I, I shouldn't have treated him like that. That's on me. And, and I, w- I think that's something that would need to be done publicly. Not privately, publicly. Because you know what? You know how many times that clip's been shown? And you just spoke on it. Corey's family's seen that uh, over and over again. We all are talking about it. It's embarrassing. And, and, another, and, and one of the things I see is Corey McDermott, and you, in the chain of command, the special teams coach, uh, especially a special team coach who has never been a coordinator, he's never been a head coach, doesn't have a lot of a lot of say. He doesn't have a lot of power in that conversation. So if he wants to hold his job, and which is a job he probably is thankful to have and appreciative, and he's good at what he does, and he wants to keep that job, he can't really talk back. And that always it always bothered me. I, I love coaches, and, and I hate always going to Coach Tress, but he's a good example of, of it. And I've been around a lot of coaches who, um, and I didn't have respect for them. And this doesn't go to Jay. Uh, this goes in just a general conversation. But I didn't have respect for coaches who would lay it on, and I had a lot of coaches like this. I could, I won't name them, but either my teammates know. There's a lot of coaches who would give it to, you know, the bottom, the bottom of the totem pole guys. Just cuss them up and down, scream at them, yada yada yada. And then vets, vets will come in and do the same thing, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't say ish, because they know that they can do that to the, to the young guy. Or they know they can do that to a guy that doesn't have as much power. Um, if Jason Moss and Mike Riley got in that same conversation and he was cussing back and forth and screaming, 
I would still not love it, but I would be. It wouldn't have hurt me or hurt my belly as much as that did, because because Mike Riley can talk back and take it, because Mike Riley has just as much power over there as, as Jay does. But when you're talking to a uh, a special teams coordinator who doesn't have a whole lot uh, to say about it, it's almost like you're bullying him, and that that to me and the, the Mark Tresson thing when I say was he would never he wouldn't do that. He'll give this. Mark would give the same. He would give the business the same to a a vet as he would to a young guy. He wouldn't use that young guy. And it happens more often than it doesn't that coaches will rip on young guys and, and especially coaches who are insecure and not, you know, trying to show, you know, feel their way around and show their, show their, uh, you know, puff their chest out. They would rip on the young guys and, and you know, and, but they wouldn't do the same thing to a vet or a guy that has more power, which uh, it was tough to see. And I'm going to go on about this, but I'll, uh, I'll end it at that. Um, but uh, hopefully I think it's only right that Jason Moss publicly apologizes to Corey and uh, because he publicly embarrassed him. Yep, I would agree. And I, and I know he's had an issue with cameras and microphones over the course of his time as a head coach in Edmonton, but I think that's the right thing to do and to clean that up properly and show respect to a guy who's been giving him nothing but respect on his staff. So, I, I you know, hey, listen, you may not agree with it, and, and sometimes you get passionate in the moment, but... That that crosses that crosses the line. I, I like what you said, and I'll just I'll leave it at that. Hey, let's let's dive into our CFL pickems here. We've kind of gone through the week. I think uh, Friday night uh, you've got Hamilton and Ottawa. Ottawa, all of a sudden, some my how things may have changed uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks from an injury standpoint. Sinopoli done for the year. Jarrell Gavins, as you mentioned, uh, being carted off the field on Tuesday. Um, you got the Tabbies who are still playing very, very good football down the stretch here. Hamilton's a tough out. I'm going to take the Red Blacks because, hey, look, this is a, a big, big game for them because home field advantage in the East is still up for grabs for them in their final game of the season. And then they have to wait and see uh, to see how this uh, final week 20 goes, depending on what uh, what the Argos do in the final week of the season because they've got the bye. Uh, Hamilton, Ottawa, give me the Red Blacks at home here in this one, Chaz. But it's not going to be easy. Uh, yeah, only I would I only take Ottawa right now because football is an emotional game, a physical game, and Hamilton has nothing to play for. So the Ottawa will be more physical and more emotional. That's the only reason right now that I would take Ottawa. This was a game that we had uh, circled at the beginning of the season as being one of the biggest games of the CFL season. It's uh, clearly not now as Darian Durant makes his return. Yeah, I think yeah, I like Saskatchewan as well. At this point, and we'll even see how much Darian even plays in this one. But Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan across the board. We go to Saturday. Uh, it's the Lions looking to uh, trying to shake a five-game losing streak uh, in Winnipeg to take on the Bombers, who are licking their own wounds these days. Uh, I'll take the Bombers here in this one as the Lions just continue to play out the string. Uh, I will go the same way, but the Lions, one thing about the Lions, they're extremely physical and a proud team. This might be Wally's last. We'll talk more about Wally on next week's episode if this is his last week or not. But uh, this may be Wally's last road game. His team won't lay down. Uh, They're too proud. They're too physical. Winnipeg will win the game, but BC will play uh, with more effort than most teams in this situation. Okay, uh, we basically know that Calgary is locked up first in the West, and at this point in time, I think it's probably about resting some key starters here at this point because they can. There's no records to be had here. Uh, Edmonton welcoming the Stamps. You know what? I'm going to say Edmonton gets the job done here at home because there's a lot to play for for Edmonton at this point, unless they're looking for that crossover in the East. If Calgary, I believe if Calgary loses this game and Winnipeg wins, that last game of the season between Calgary and Winnipeg, 
Winnipeg could still win first in the West. Uh, there's still something to play for there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I can't uh, see that right now, but I will take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Calgary. Calgary has a five-point cushion right now with uh, and the Bombers. Um, no, because they can only they can only pick up another four points. Okay, so. And so Cancel Calgary that. has the West. The, the Calgary oh, has Winnipeg the West. Lost, pardon up. me. Winnipeg lost last week to Toronto. Right, that was it. Because they lost yeah, last yeah, week yeah. to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, take that so. back. I take that back. Uh, hold on. Rewind. Select. I got. I got Edmonton. I got Edmonton. You got Edmonton as yeah. well. Okay, yeah. so there you go. Uh, hey, don't forget to play CFL. Pick them online on CFL.ca. It's free for your chance to win a trip for two to the 105th Grey Cup, which is less than a month from now. That's going to be a good time. And uh, CFL uh, this week, every Wednesdays on Twitter with the star of the show, Max Rosenberg and Brody Lawson and Davis as well, right? Uh, yeah, you know what? That's uh, the crew, the crew, CFL this week, the crew uh, at CFL on Twitter, Wednesdays at Trey. That's it, man. And then also right. next week, next week, oh, check us. We're here. You know, the hoser and the other hoser. Uh, check <laughs> us out, eh? We're going to be over here yeah. just doing the recording the waggle every uh, every Wednesday. You get an episode of the waggle, eh? Or for our- yeah, hey, listen, Hoser, uh, lots to get to next week. We're going to talk about the future of the BC Lions. Uh, we're going to talk about the future of the Montreal Alouettes as well. The latest in the playoff scenarios. Uh, lots to get to. Uh, leave the audience wanting more. Uh, but I also appreciate we've got lots of feedback so far on people whether or not there would be an appetite for a live edition of the Waggle. Uh, to tape one in Ottawa during Grey Cup week, we'll see if we can try to uh, we can try to make something happen. So, um, but hey, listen, if you want to, if you think you'd be there, hit us up. The Waggle at CFL.ca is the email. You can reach out to us and let us know. The Waggle at CFL.ca and let us know if you'd be interested to see if we can make something happen. Um, and Ches and I will see if we can uh, put our great minds together and come up with a, a fun little episode somewhere over Grey Cup weekend. Uh, he's David Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Later, hoser. Joined on the line by one of the most dynamic, uh, one of the most controversial, one of the most polarizing, and one of the most fun players in the CFL, Deron Carter from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Do I bill you as a receiver? Do I bill you as an Ironman, a cornerback, DB? What, what, how, do, how should we properly introduce you here? Uh, man, just think of, you know, it's just like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they're like Batman. We feel like superheroes right now, and I'm just a utility belt. You know, I'm just a, a tool that we use to get the job done. So you're not Aquaman, because Aquaman didn't have a utility belt. So you're like the Batman utility belt. Yeah, Batman utility belt. Every, Batman had everything on his utility belt. You, you, he had bombs. He had, he had cell phone. He could, call, he could call his plane over there. No telling what he had over there. He might have had some food. You know, so that that's me. I, I got everything for everybody. <laughs> okay, well, if you were packing food in a utility belt, what would you be packing? Oh, man, if I was packing food in a utility belt, it had to be like Skittles or something. Something something that could be small but really sweet and savory. Yeah, Skittles. 
my kids would be all over you for that. They would totally support that decision, by the way, DC. Um, walk me through, walk me through that pick six from Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary last week. What was that like? What was going through your mind? Walk me through the play. Um, man, it, it, it was a good play called by Coach Jones. I, I knew we were going to be putting pressure on him from, from Willie's side. And we were in man, so I, I just sort of stayed back off of my man and, and made a good read. He, he overthrew the, the second receiver, and I was just in position to make the play. And then what happened? <laughs> man, once I, once I got I really couldn't believe that, that I had the ball. And so I, I just started. I just started running, and, and I made a decision about a, a week prior that nobody on offense was going to tackle me. So I, I went right, and there were players over there. And just went left where nobody was, and they didn't tackle me. Now, have you watched video of the of the play afterwards? Uh, yes, sir, a few times. Okay, just a few times, right? Oh, be, <laughs> like a few hundred times. Yeah, you know. It's, it definitely one of one of the greatest plays in my in my career. I can tell you that. Did you not remark at any point? And I don't want to rain on your parade in any way, shape, or form. But we were kind of just laughing a few minutes ago about that. Might have been some of the shoddiest attempts at tackling by the Stampeders' offense trying to bring you down. Oh uh, man, you know, it's, that's, there's a reason why they're on offense, man. If they could tackle very well, they'd be on defense. And, and you know, I. I talk about talk to our uh, receivers all the time you know we think we're one of the most physical groups in, in in the league you know we got some good tacklers on offense so we wouldn't have been like that <laughs> what'd your dad say uh no that's what that's what we expected you know it wasn't it, it was really you know just another another good game you know under my belt and we expected me to do something like that yeah but did your dad expect you to get a pick six against the reigning mop uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> no way. Come on, in my, in my ability. Oh man, I'm super confident in my ability, man. Trust me. I feel like if, if you put me at quarterback, I might be rating MLP. <laughs> Can you throw? Oh yes, definitely. Like what would uh, if you had to air it out? How far could you throw it? Um, I'm I'm definitely at seventy yards. For real? That's my max. Yeah, my max is seventy yards. I can't. I can't increase past 70 i'm trying to get more arc or more velocity i can't i can't figure it out 70 is my max so is it like a duck or is it, have you got some uh, have you got some some zip no, to I, it? Th I throw perfect spirals okay all right I, I, you're not i don't think you're ever going to admit to me that you, you would throw a duck anyway so i'll i'll leave i'll leave it at that so so i tell telling me, you I, I would say i think my best position on the football field is quarterback that's what i think my best position is. seriously so i used the, to play i used to play i used to play in high school and then um, the, my first game in high school as a freshman, I ended up being the starting receiver, and then I just stayed at receiver. But I really feel like I can play great quarterback. And have you ever reminded Coach Jones about that? Oh yeah, he knows. Oh, no, there, there's always there's always a few plays uh, in the offense where, where I get to throw it. You know, we, we don't particularly use it because you know it's for the situation when the situation calls. So you know, we have some stuff up our sleeve. You're just trying to take it easy on opposing defenses, right? You're not trying to be too merciless, right? Is that what it is? I definitely, man. You know, you never want to blow your load. <laughs> well put, well put. Hey, tell me this. I mean. You know, you've been having, you're coming off on the heels. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen quite the roller coaster two week stretch that anybody in the league has ever experienced than what you just went through, where you come off, you come off a career game over 200 yards receiving. 
then everybody rumors to to have you in a fist fight with a teammate. People have you uh, cut from the riders. People have you suspended from the riders. And then you turn around, and your next thing you know, you're starting uh, on the defensive side of the football and walk away with a key pick six on the reigning MOP and picking up the biggest win of the year in the CFL going into Calgary and beating, you know, the best team in the league. Like, what's this last two weeks been like for you? Uh, man, they're just giving me, you know, more material for my movie, you know, when it, when it comes out. It's, just, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great story, man. You know, all, all the media speculation and this and that. And it's fun to, you know, fuel fuel the fire on Twitter and everything. And just to let you know, I, I don't take Twitter seriously at all. So I think I think that's what the problem is with people. They take social media a little bit too serious. As for me, it's just an interface to mess with people. But it's funny, like, because you get a lot of moral outrage on social media, which can be can be venomous. And, and I think the hard part with social media sometimes, and I know I've had people blow back on me on this, whether I've been being sarcastic or being a little cheeky, because I can definitely be a little cheeky at times, but where people, they, you know, sometimes it's hard to find the emotional context in a tweet. That's 140 characters, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you can't, you can't just put sarcasm in parentheses on, on every tweet, you know, and that sort of takes away the point of, of being cheeky in a sense. And I, I just sort of, you use my my following and my followers, you know, sort of to my advantage. I make people laugh. It makes it makes people uncomfortable, you know. Maybe think about something that they didn't think of, or even change their viewpoint. You know, it's my opportunity to sort of get connected and interact with people that I I probably never meet in my life. Do you think sometimes being too fun a guy gets you in trouble? Oh yeah, all the time. Why? Definitely all the time. I mean, I don't know. I guess if I was a, if I was the perfect professional, nobody nobody would want to follow me, and they just, they just you know treat me like every other guy. I just feel like I'm I'm really unique. I feel like uh, I'm a very smart guy, you know. Yeah, somebody somebody has to be the villain in the story, and, and I have no problem being it. You know, I, I have all the funny one-liners and everything, so it's fun. So when did you learn to be the villain? Uh, man, really, I guess coming through college and, uh, you know, when I was ruled academically ineligible, you know, and just people, people say whatever comes to their mind, you know, initially, whether it be on social media, they're, they're a little bit more, uh, reserved when we're in person and everything. And, but on social media, it just, I just learned people say whatever they, they want to say. And, you know, as an athlete, you, you really don't get the opportunity to, you know, to, to speak for yourself in a sense, you know, and like, I remember my, I remember going across uh, the ESPN timeline at the bottom. It was there for the whole day. Deron Carter academically ineligible for the Rose Bowl. And, you know, and people are just like, Oh man, this kid, this kid is stupid. He, you know, he, he can't pass college. And really I just didn't go to class, you know, and, and it's very frustrating. So based on everything that you've been through and, and sort of the track record or the breadcrumbs that have followed you, whether it's, you know, the way things end in Montreal, the way, you know, academically ineligible, uh, NFL stuff. I mean, you're a fun guy. All your teammates sit there and, and give you a thumbs up saying, you know, hey, he's such a good guy. He's a fun guy. I like Duran. 
but then you've got all this all this history of like this path of destruction would you like if you saw the body of work or or sort of the the the, the track record would you would you believe somebody like you uh yeah i mean and at the end of the day there's a whole track record people really have no idea of what happened in montreal people know i really have no idea what what goes on you know in my life and how people in, interact with me uh all i can do is, is be myself consistently all the time you know i, I take pride in that that's, that's one thing you never you never heard oh Deron carter you know has changed or, or anything i'm always going to be myself and I, I always try and be a nice guy you know I, I pretty much think that my my teammates appreciate me uh, around here you know and the energy i bring to them and we're always going out and having fun you know i, I can't really focus on, on everybody and you know how they feel about me or else you know i, w I wouldn't be myself i have to say i thought it was one of the funniest things i saw all of last year when you held up the sign that somebody had made for you worst teammate ever <laughs> yeah man i don't I, 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 I never i never really understood i really never understood that uh, an anonymous source claimed that i'm the worst teammate ever i was like how can you how can you be so anonymous you know and, and i'm your teammate it, it just it just seemed all flaky from from the get-go you know I, i'm here with, with my teammates now they're sitting here listening we're all having fun and joking and everything we're probably going to go bowling later tonight or play some Catan. And, you know, all I can do is just have fun with my guys. And I, I really don't particularly care what goes on. In are the you media. are you seriously that good a bowler? Uh, man, I, I'm inconsistent. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty good bowler. When, I, when I'm hot, I'm hot. When I'm not, I'm not. This is like the most humble I think I've ever heard you. We clearly need to get we you into bowling. We, we clearly need to get you to bowl more. This, this way – you know, as Kendrick would say, be humble. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. When it comes to bowling, uh, man, I, I I can put up a 200, and I I also can barely barely crack 100 sometimes, depending on how I'm feeling, man. And so, you know, and bowling is definitely my most humbling sport. I'll tell you that. You that know, and golf. If you want to cut down on uh, your gutter balls, you can do what I do when I play with my kids, and I, I use I push the guards. I, I get the guards up so I, I don't sink in the oh, gutter no, balls. Oh no, man, no guards, man. You couldn't you couldn't play with us. <laughs> hey, by any means necessary to get a three hundred or at least uh, two hundred. <laughs> um, tell me this, Duran. It, it's you guys, to, uh, it's been an interesting sort of musical chairs situation with your quarterbacks lately with Brandon Bridge and Kevin Glenn. What's that like as a, as a, as a receiver and a playmaker for you guys down the stretch here where you, you know, you don't necessarily know who's stepping in the huddle from time to time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, last game I wasn't in on offense, but I, I, I randomly looked up and, and I saw, I saw Bridges in there early. Um, uh, you know, it's just that's, that's something that the, the coaches have figured, you know, it, it's something that works. Whether, you know, I guess if, if KG is in there and they, and they feel like there's too much pressure going on, they can get Bridge in there and he, he can use his legs a little bit more or and vice versa. You know, if, if they're going to sit back in coverage, we'll, we'll let KG, you know, dice them up. Uh, for me, you just you just have to sort of know who's in the game. You know, Bridge is always, is always looking for the scramble. You know, you, there's always scramble rules and, and deep shots available. KG, you know, he's he's going to run the offense. I mean, KG is 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 an amazing amazing conductor. You know, he keeps he keeps the game going, and and he's going to be as good as 
you know, the, as the plays are called, you know, and, and he makes it work. How's Trent Richardson fitting in? Have you have you uh, have you corrupted him completely yet? Oh no, I, Trent Trent's been my guy from way back when we were at Alabama, and I don't think he's corrupted at all. I think I think he's really hungry for the ball. You know, he, he's he's getting ready or getting better and seeing his reads and everything, and I, I think we're gonna see a lot more Trent Richardson. So, would you rather go through the East or the West on the road to the Grey Cup? Um, would I rather go through the East or the West? I think I would much rather do some shopping in Ottawa and Toronto and Winnipeg and, and Calgary. So I definitely pick the East just based on because they're bigger cities, nicer cities. The football, I we I could care less. That's gonna come. Like you know, we're we're very confident in whoever we would play in the playoffs. That's, so I just want to go to a nicer city. That's a very cosmopolitan and trash-talking answer. I like it. I like where you're going with that one, Duran. Well played. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you confident that this team can win it all this year, or is there an area that you guys still need to clean up down the stretch? Uh, definitely. I'm definitely confident that we can win it all this year. I mean, everybody's seen what we could do when we play to the best of our ability. Um, I think if, if we stepped up our red zone offense, you know, we started putting touchdowns up instead of field goals. We definitely would have put uh, uh, about two two to four teams away, you know, this year. And, and we'd have a lot more wins than, than losses than we have right now. And we, we just have to convert on our opportunities. You know, there's been uh, three, four, five times where we've been inside the 10-yard line, you know, didn't get a touchdown. And, and, and they all they turned out, you know, to be key points in the game. Will you fight any more teammates before the end of the year? Oh man, <laughs> fights happen all. Fights happen all the time. You know, it's, it's, for me, it particularly wasn't even a, a fight. It was more like a wrestling match. Did anybody drop a stone cold stunner? Oh no, I mean, you'd have to ask somebody else on that one. I can't. I, I don't want to. <laughs> so, if you were a wrestler, what would your name be then, Duran? Ooh, if I was a wrestler, I'd just be DC. Just be DC. I come out. What would my music be? My music would be, um, my music coming out would definitely be "Hold Me Back" by Rick Ross. Okay. And, I, and I'd have like, I'd, I'd come out walking through the stage, like you know how Goldberg he had the police officer. Totally. And I'd have like five police officers holding me back, and I'll run to the stage. And I'm not even letting the other guy get his intro in. It's time to fight. You'd be ready to go. And you'd be good on the microphone, yeah. too. I know you'd be good on the microphone. So I think you'd be you'd be a great wrestling villain because it already translates from football. So thank you very much for doing this, man. I uh, Good luck down the stretch. Uh, you're, you're, never, you're never dull to watch, that's for sure. And I appreciate you taking the time with us here on The Waggle. Oh, no doubt. I, say, I thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, where can we find you on Twitter if anybody wants to follow you on social media? Man, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. It's DC underscore chillin'. That's chillin' with an N. If you add a G, you're not going to find me. Underscore eight. DC chillin' eight. Which emoji would best describe you? Which emoji would best describe me? Yeah. It would definitely, definitely be the emoji with the sunglasses. <laughs> Not the poop, yeah, not the poop emoji. The What's up? Not the poop emoji? 
No, oh no, yeah, that's that's Bakari right there. Bakari's like, oh, you sure you're not the poop emoji? No, I'm the guy with the funny back. Well played, Deron Carter from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders joining us this week on the Waggle. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Thank you.